Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut or shortened due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listening colour. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Welcome to Jazz Shapers. It's where the shapers of business join the shapers of jazz, soul and blues. I know you know that, but I'd like to tell you here anyway. My guest today is Neil Wright, founder and managing director of Worldwide Internet Insurance Services, online travel insurers operating through four different brands. You're going to be hearing all about that business. In 1976, Neil attended the Royal Military Academy in Sandhurst. A former member of the Queen's Regiment, he's understood to have taken the no-nonsense practical approach he learned in the army to his businesses. We'll find out what that looks like specifically in a moment. After travelling with the army to hotspots all over the world, Neil moved into the property business and then into travel insurance. He founded the Worldwide Internet Insurance Services business in 2001. Cover for You, their flagship brand, has attracted 4.5 million policyholders since launch and averages 600,000 sign-ups a year. It's one of those businesses you haven't heard of yet, but you will by the end of the show. Other brands include a family and high-risk medical specialist and travel insurance tailored for backpackers too. We'll be talking to Neil in a few minutes about all of this and his customer perspective approach to business. We've also got brilliant music from, amongst others, Ella Fitzgerald, Louis Armstrong and Lauren Hill. That's today's Jazz Shapers. Here's George Benson and Take 5. That was George Benson with Take 5. As I said just shortly before, my business shaper is Neil Wright. He's sitting here right in front of me, founder and managing director of Worldwide Internet Insurance Services. Uh, It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for coming. Wonderful to be here. Whenever I meet people who've been in the army, it always intrigues me about how people move from that world into the business world. But you're going to tell me, actually, that's a pretty logical step. Actually, getting into the army was uh, the most illogical step I had. I didn't particularly want to be a soldier. I had a disastrous uh, time at school as a terrible rebel. I ended up trying to square my life away by actually I had this opportunity to go on this three-day interview to see if I could get into Sandhurst. Nobody was more surprised than me. Maybe my parents were more surprised than I to actually be accepted. So I suddenly ended up by having to be a soldier, which thank goodness I did because it completely changed my life, my whole ethos, the way I think, the way I treat people. It absolutely saved me. How old were you when you were ejected, it sounds like, from school? I was... I was and I want to come back to the rebel part as well. I was 18. Uh, okay. I was 18, I, uh, and I went to Sandhurst in the same year. Mm. So I was a very young uh, officer cadet, then was commissioned at 18 and 19. I was in Belfast commanding soldiers, which is the most amazing privilege you can ever have. Now, what did it, you you talked about it changing your life and the way your perspective on people and it sounds like discipline as well and just even the way you think. Just give me a little insight about the kind of young man you were at 18, that rebel that entered Sandhurst. What happened? 
I'm still a rebel. I still try and push against things, change things, look at things differently. I think that's an important thing to do, especially in business. Constantly got to be reevaluating what you do, looking at things in a very different perspective. But uh, I was fairly angry, um, huge rebel. I did everything from uh, brewing beer at school, selling it to juniors, which I got caught for, uh, <laughs> which ended up with a three-week unscheduled holiday back at home with my parents, who were not very amused with, by that. I, my elder brother was uh, killed in a motorcycle accident when I was a teenager, and that made me even more angry. I couldn't understand why the world didn't stop. It had stopped for me. Um, so I was then even more sort of angry and rebellious. Um, and I got away with an absolute murder. I did no work, played rugby, sport, till eventually my parents and the school agreed it would probably be better if I actually didn't return. You go to the army, and in those first few months, what happened for you? It was a heck of a shock. I hadn't actually, it was not a career choice that I had necessarily wanted. And I loved it. They're amazing people, um, amazing leaders, inspirational people. Uh, you're lucky enough at Sandhurst that you're actually you are trained by some of the best senior NCOs in the British Army. The officers are also handpicked in order to mentor and bring people on. And it was, for me, an amazing experience. Absolutely loved it. How long did you stay in the Army for before you then? Almost 10 years. Okay. And now tell me about the business today. And then I want to go back into how you started it. Just give me, in a snapshot, in your own words, what the business is all about. Because it is one of those businesses that, I'll be honest, I hadn't actually come across. And then I hear about what you do and the reach you have. And it's extraordinary because it sounds like you power lots of other businesses that do similar things. Well, we, the whole thing is it's about people. In the army, especially in the infantry, your raw material is people. So you want to get the best out of your people constantly. You want to inspire them. You want to lead them. You want them to be the best that they can be. You then also need to think about your customers as well, who are also people. What do they want out of it? And this is exactly the same as military thinking, putting yourself into someone else's shoes. And what we do is we put ourselves in other people's shoes, our customers, our suppliers, our insurers. What are they looking to gain out of this? And then we then supply it. Um, and it's really, it's making the two meet. And, this, and just give me a quick snapshot of the four different parts of the business, or four different brands, rather, because there's another part of the business. Yes, there is. Well. Um, we, we have Coverview, which is our flagship brand, and then we have Cedar Tree, which is for those people who want travel insurance policy that has more on it. Not everyone is prepared to pay for that. So, therefore, that is aimed at a different market. We have Outbacker, which is deliberately designed for people going on gap years and that sort of thing. It covers all sorts of crazy adventures that kids want to do when they're going off and seeing the world. And then we also have uh, Insure and Escape, which is for those people who have, and for families who have uh, pre-existing medical conditions, which need to be covered so that they are, they are safe and secure when they go away and they don't end up with a disaster that can ruin them. We have a number of cases each year where the medical bills are so high, if they weren't insured, it would be a case of sell the house. Mm. And, and how many people work in the business now? We have 23, but we are mostly uh, an IT business. So we, re we rely on very few people, very good people, and everything else is done by systems. 
And in terms of turnover, we're talking about an almost £20 million business. I'm going to go back to 2001 now, and this is the moment when the business is created. What possessed you to do this at that point in your life? Well, IT was becoming a bigger and bigger thing. And because travel insurance has to be a volume business, the only way you can do it efficiently and therefore get into the market is to utilize IT. I had been involved um, a long time ago, pre-internet, the travel insurance business that was all done by phone with banks of people. And it was terribly inefficient sending out policies by, by mail, huge print bills, all the rest of that sort of thing. All this now, it's all gone. It's in the past. Everything is IT-driven. And the IT was becoming available to actually make this happen. And, in, and specifically, that, the idea for the business and then actually starting it, where did that... You'd obviously worked, as you said, in insurance before, but at that particular moment, just talk me through those the, the first, I'm going to do this, thought. I'd sold out my shareholding in another company in the UK and wanted to base myself full-time in Gibraltar. So it was a question of actually taking what I knew and trying to find a new way of doing it that would resonate with the public so that we could actually do this thing efficiently in a completely new way. So we built our systems with underwriters in mind. We're not just a sales platform. We analyze all the claims. We analyze all the data. We provide insights to underwriters. Um, We also provide insights to ourselves in terms of actually what our customers are looking for. Stay with me to find out much more from Neil about this business that he has now successfully been running for a number of years. And I'm going to ask him also about the learnings in the army and how those first few months and years panned out as he built this thing up. First, though, at this moment, we're going to hear um, from one of our partners at Mishkondorea some words of advice for your business. I'm Sonal Gandhi. I'm a partner in the real estate group at Mishkondorea. I act for the private individual and their companies in buying and selling high-end residential properties in central London, as well as acting for private banks in their secured lending work um, on residential properties. The most important thing to know about working on complicated transactions is to effectively appoint a pivotal person that's going to act as the project manager of that transaction. Invariably, there's going to be a number of parties involved. It goes without saying that with so many people involved in a transaction, things can start going astray. So it's essential to have a go-to person. It's very much like that person is the conductor of an orchestra. All of the players are musicians in that orchestra. They each have a piece of music to read. Without that conductor, they're not going to play in tune, in harmony, to get the end result. Therefore, my advice is to have that person who can control, who can communicate and ensure that all parties are cooperating together. Too many cooks, disaster. They all start going off on their own agenda without having that person to essentially manage the process and effectively deliver that goal for that client. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. There are absolutely loads of ways for you to enjoy all our former Jazz Shapers and indeed to hear this very programme again as well. You can ask Alexa to play Jazz Shapers and there you can hear many of the recent programmes or just pop Jazz Shapers into iTunes or your preferred podcast platform and you can enjoy the full archive there too. But back to today, it's Neil Wright. He's founder and managing director of Worldwide Internet Insurance Services. They're an online travel insurer operating through four brands and as you heard earlier, 
it's basically a tech business. It's been a technology business before. It was even called technology. It was IT, wasn't it, Neil, back in the day in 2001. In those early months and years when you set the business up, what kind of learnings had you taken from your previous businesses and from that experience that you used those 10 years in the army? What did you apply? Because we talked about you being a rebel and also dispelling the myth that people in the army think in a certain way. You're basically not like that. And it sounds like at a senior level in the army, no one's really like that. Was it about being unconventional? Was it about seeing how to achieve objectives and then getting on with it? It's not a question of being un- unconventional for unconventional sake. Mm. It's about actually looking at a problem and trying to come at it with a different solution. So we came at it with uh, the fact that IT could be used. You get people, you explain the idea, you lead them, you tell them what the eventual objective is and say, how can we go about doing this? And let them come to you with the ideas. We can do this, we can do that, we can do the other. So obviously we can deliver policy wordings like PDFs. We are completely online. Unlike an Amazon, which started off by actually having to deliver books, we can actually send our, our product out on the internet. And did you do that right in the beginning? Yes, we did. So it was, okay, technology is now becoming available to completely redo this type of business. And that's what we set out to do. We've taken it further so that we actually think, well, okay, people don't want to take a huge policy booklet on holiday. It's a pain in the neck. So we developed an app. So on the app... Um, you have all your policy wording, your certificate of insurance. What else do you need? If things go bad on holiday, it's normally a medical emergency. So you need to know where the nearest hospital is. So we build that into the app. Wherever you are, it geolocates you, tells you where the nearest hospital is, how to get there. The Brits are not great at languages, Mm. and I'm not either. So we need a medical translator. You need to be able to tell somebody in a foreign country what's wrong with you. That, again, into the app. So all these things are actually taking people's problems and finding an IT solution to actually um, solve their problem. Which is what you said at the beginning about um, putting yourselves in other people's shoes. Essentially, that's what you're doing every day. And it struck me as an unusual thing to say about your experience in the army. And maybe that's just because I haven't been in the army and most people listening probably haven't been in the army. That strikes me as a counterintuitive point. What does that mean in the context of being in the army? Well, if you're walking down a street and you think there may be a sniper... Um, there, you actually say, if I was a sniper, where would I position myself? How would I go about this? If I was defending this position, how would I go about defending this position? Um, So you're constantly, to actually come up with a solution, you've constantly got to see both sides of the problem. And is that the way you've navigated through the last 18 years in this business? Essentially looking and gaming the competition and gaming your own customers in a good way, I mean, in the sense of thinking, well, as you said, what will they need? Yes, exactly. So, you know, there's no point you coming up with a great concept if actually it's, it's got no need at the other end. So what are customers looking for? Again, it's all about people. And insurance is a people business because it's either the people who are using it, the people who are affecting it, my team who are really amazing, or it's actually underwriters as well who we have to bring along as well as part of the equation. It's all people. People think that insurance is the driest thing going. Churchill was a great fan of it. He says that actually it does stop the average person from facing disaster, and that is true. And we see it constantly in terms of saving people who are abroad, bringing them home without them facing disaster, financial disaster, that is. 
you've mentioned a few things about people, and I want to talk about the team that you've established. And 23 people for a business of um, a turnover of almost £20 million is, is a really interesting and unusual balance. Tell me about what you expect from people and tell me about how you get the best out of them. I think the first thing is you've got to treat everybody as an adult and you have to give them responsibility and allow them to live up to that responsibility. If someone's in a position where they are not coping, that is not their fault. That is my fault. It's my fault because I have uh, either not trained them well enough, given them the tools, or actually I've uh, promoted them to a position where they're uncomfortable, and therefore I have to do something about that. It's not a question of uh, getting rid of them. It's a question of actually changing the job that they do. People are the most important. I am a passionate believer that an IT business is about people. Everyone says, well, no, it's just the system. It's not at all. Our human face um, is the most important. You can have the greatest sales system in the world, but if you cannot pick up the phone and talk to a human being who knows what they're talking about, who is prepared to engage with you, not give you the bums rush and move you on, that is really important, and that is what makes us very special. I think some of the people that we have are utterly brilliant. Um, they will spend time with people. They do not sell. They just advise. You've got a question. You've got a query. They're there for you. And they will be with you for as long as it takes, on the phone, with emails, with all the rest of the communication that there is. But you have to have that human face. If you don't, I don't believe you succeed as an IT business. And in terms of your own leadership style, obviously you had lots of years to practice this. As you said, you were commanding a, a small group of uh, people back when you were 19 years old, but it wasn't that small at all. I'm assuming it's a... What, what size was your regiment? Uh, the platoon of 30. 30 people at the age of 19. So um, you've had lots of years of experience and practice. What are the two or three characteristics, would you say, if, I, if someone was to describe your leadership uh, um, approach? Lead from the front. Lead by example. Do not remove yourself and make yourself remote. Constantly be in there encouraging, leading... Uh, mentoring, picking up ideas from people who are at the coalface. I learned that very early on. We had a complex operation to deliver. I was extremely tired. We had very few resources, not enough resources to do the job. I came up with this enormously convoluted plan. Briefed the guys. I said, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do the other. You know, it all sounded great. Any questions? And uh, this Lance Corporal turned around and said, boss, why don't we do this? One, two, three. Oh, God. Blindingly obvious. How stupid. So, you know, don't get hooked up on your own ideas. Pick them up from other people. So I said, okay, everyone out, rebrief in 10 minutes. You stay. <laughs> okay, what was your plan? And we did his plan. And it was much better than mine. You have to give people the responsibility and they rise to it. People love rising up. You know, everybody wants to be the best that they can be. Stay with me for my final chat with Neil. Plus, we'll be playing a track from Lauren Hill. That's all coming up in just a moment here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.
That was Lauren Hill with Nothing Even Matters. I'm with Neil Wright, my business shaper, just for a few more minutes. Uh, Neil, when you started talking, you talked about your anger. And naturally, when unthinkable things happen, especially in family and stuff, and, and life throws you curveballs, you, you, I, I understand that completely. It sounds to me many years later that you've, you've totally channeled your anger and into something incredibly positive. You strike me as, in, as a very positive, clear-thinking person. Is that true? Are you? Are we now looking at someone who's kind of moved into a different place and has managed to to control is the wrong word, but to man to to focus it? I well, I'm no longer angry. Uh, time is a great healer. Mm. I think that it has led me on a path that I never predicted. In fact, I quite often meet old friends and say, "Can you ever imagine us when we were younger doing what we're now doing?" And so life has been a journey. And you learn to cope with things. You learn to overcome them. And that's all part of what makes you who you are today. That's the wonderful thing about life. Who knows what's around the next corner? What's the next challenge? What's mm. the next thing to take on? Love it. In the whole conversation, we haven't talked about money at all. And yet your business is successful. We haven't talked about profit margin or anything like that. And that's fine. I'm sure you're a profitable business. You're living a lovely life and all that. It strikes me... Don't care is the wrong thing, but it isn't, it isn't one of the things that drives you at all and isn't important, therefore, in your, in your life. And money is nice to have. I would rather be building something, something that is useful. I get much more of a buzz out of that. It's nice to see money. It's nice to see the bottom line grow because that's part of what you're building. But in itself, just making money doesn't seem to be much point. And the legacy thing you talked about, when you, I mean, at some point you'll stop or are you one of those people that says, Elliot, what are you talking about? One never stops. I mean, it's part of me. I built this thing. Well, I think, well, you know, whether I stop doing this, I have conversations with friends and say, you know, you've got, if you retire, you've got to retire to do something. You can't just retire and go to the, you know, the waiting room of life um, till it ends. You've got to retire to do something. And I constantly have projects on the go, whether it's actually it's uh, climbing or... Uh, traveling or anything like that is a great way of constantly having another project. So if this project disappears or we sell it or someone else takes over and runs it, I will be doing another project until I drop. Whether that's helping other people, um, raising money, doesn't matter. You've got to have something. You can't just sit. Enjoy those projects, whatever they are strikes me that you'll be doing them on the side anyway and carrying on with this as long as, as you said, until they probably wheel you out. Um, it's been lovely talking to you, a real pleasure, actually, and um, good luck with everything. Not that you need much luck by the looks of things either, Neil. Uh, just before I let you go, though, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? This fat swallow ain't misbehaving. When I met my wife in Gibraltar, we used to go to this little bar, and at the end of the used to play this. I used to get all sort of maudlin over my last drink, trying to eventually persuaded to marry me. The great thing about this bar was at the end of the evening, you could, uh, with the owner, you could spoof for the bill. Um, always gave you the hope that you might get a free night. I never won. <laughs> well, here it is just for you.
That was Fat Swallow with Ain't Misbehaving, the song choice of my business shaper today, Neil Wright, a self-confessed rebel, someone who understood the importance of putting himself in other people's shoes, something he learned from the army. Someone also who understood that if you treat people like adults, they will be the best version of themselves and the best that they can be. And for him, that was really, really important. You can hear our conversation with Neil all over again whenever you'd like to. As a podcast, just search Jazz Shapers or ask your smart speaker to play Jazz Shapers. Or if you're up nice and early on Monday morning, you can catch this program again just before the business breakfast at 5am. We're back next Saturday from 9 with our next business shaper, Misha Nunu, founder and credit director at Misha Nunu. Up next after news at 10, it's our friend Nigel Williams with great music, interviews and a live session or two as well. That's it from Jazz Shapers. Have a great weekend. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We hope you enjoy that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers on iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishkon.com forward slash jazz shapers.